Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We are jumping right in. A happy Friday to you, everybody. Uh, I'm Rob. You know who you are. Welcome to Just a Game. We are an inclusive podcast. Everybody is welcome here. We're broadcasting live from Treaty 7 territory. As we kick it off, we welcome our first guest in, brought to you, of course, by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Hey, this just came across my desk. They've got an inventory clearance sale starting at 40% off because after 67 unforgettable years in the heart of the Skitty city, they're closing a store. That's right. The Ski Seller Snowboard's iconic 17th Avenue location will be closing its doors, but not without one more blowout sale. Get ready for the biggest savings of the season as we offer spectacular discounts on items store-wide. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting your skiing journey, this is your chance to stock up on top quality gear, clothing, and accessories at unbeatable prices. The event runs in-store, the three locations starting today all the way through Halloween on Tuesday, October 31st. All three Ski Seller Snowboard locations. Check them out. McLeod Trail, Bonass, and the soon-to-be-closed-down, not because they want to, but they have to, 17th Avenue location, or check them out online at skisellersnowboard.com. We kick it off with, and I feel terrible about this because he is one of my favorite people in all of hockey. Um, he does a service that he never, ever gets enough credit for, which is he sacrifices himself to Canada almost on a daily basis. Whenever something happens in Columbus, it doesn't matter if it's the Team 1040 or, or 1260 or the Fan 95, whatever. He's the man they go to, uh, formerly of the Columbus Dispatch, but now uh, with the Athletic. And I do want to point out, wrote the premier article on the Mike Babcock situation in Columbus. I cannot say enough good things about him, and I will compliment him on his background because it looks terrific. Please welcome our good friend, Aaron Portsline. Portsy, it's good to talk to you, pal. How are you? Well, Rob, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I love Canada. I love Canada. <laughs> and I, we love you. <laughs> if I can't be there, I just, it, the next best thing is talking with Canada. That's a real picture, by the way. That's, that's do, do, do look it out my back door if you're a uh, no, that's as a water fan, Thank you. Yeah. We've had a great year for leaves, so might as well use that backdrop while we can. We don't have them anymore. We've had yeah. strong winds and they're gone. And, and the other yeah. thing that you know people were tuning in to find out was my rant about we don't get red leaves either. We just get yellow. You get colors. 
Yeah, I think it probably get you probably get a cold snap there really quickly. You don't ease into it, is my no, sense. You know what? It, no, no, it's the cold snaps coming next week, which is kind of late for us. But it's the damn wind. We get these yeah. strong yeah, fall winds, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. share the line. You, you had the best line. We were sitting there talking before we went on the air. The blue jack, because you've been there like from day one and yeah. it's never dull. And if you had to write a book about the blue jackets, what would the title be? Well, that's the thing. You could write 10 books about the blue jackets. Cause there's, there's just, there's so many unbelievable stories that have happened through the years. I mean, the Babcock thing is just kind of the latest, but there have, you know, it's just been one thing after another with the franchise. Um, as I said to you, <laughs> it might be the title of a book. If you had to sum up their 23 years, uh, as, as quickly as possible, it would be rarely good, never boring. Never. They are never boring. I mean, I tell, I find people, uh, they remember because they pay attention here. They love the hockey team here. Mm -hmm. But it's like Sergei Fedorov was here. My God. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's all been sort of stuff like that where you're like, that's right. That's right. They've had Hitchcock. They've had Tortorella. They've had the legendary Dave King to start it all. Yeah. Um, they drafted a kid, Sergei Mosiakin, who never came here, stayed in Russia, and is the highest scoring player in the history of the KHL. Uh, what could he have been in the NHL if he had been a Blue Jacket? I mean, they've had great talent. They've had st utter sadness which we don't need to talk about now, just things that have been absolutely sure. uh, crushingly sad. Um, it's been, it's crazy. And this year again with Babcock four days before training camp, yeah. nobody would pick that time to do it. But you know, the other side is thank God they, they did it. Cause if they hung on to that and allowed that to fester into the season, God knows how much damage it could have done. So what, what happened around the pandemic? It, it just seemed to me like, a lot of this stuff was finally lifting that, you know, to, to me, it all culminated with that four game sweep of Tampa Bay, which, you know, nobody saw coming. Yeah. Um, it, it really felt like, okay, they're over the hump. What, what happened between then and now? Well, the, the player departures hmm. uh, were slow, but significant at first and then continued. So, even as they won that series with Tampa Bay, they knew that Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky were not going to re-sign in Columbus. So your best goalie, your best player, like, ow, that, that, that's a hit. Right. They still made the playoffs the next year. Uh, they took Toronto out in the qualifying round. In the as bubble, I'm, right? Yeah, as I'm sure Western Canada enjoyed. Yeah, every minute of it. Yes. And then they lost to Tampa uh, in what was technically the first round. Um, so, but then, you know, from there, Pierre-Luc Dubois left. So there's your top center. So now in the span of uh, a year plus, you've lost your Vezina winning goalie, your Hart Trophy candidate forward, and your number one center. Not many teams can survive that. Right. The next year it was, okay, Seth Jones, you know, what would you like to do here? You've been in Nashville, you've been in Columbus. What are, you, what are you thinking? Well, I think I'd like to go uh, to an original six big city. I'd like to play in a big market. Okay, well, then we'll move you. 
So Seth Jones moves. Now it's a good trade. They got Cole Sillinger in a first round draft pick. Um, that well, Cole Sillinger became the, the first round draft pick became Cole Sillinger, but they, you know, you, you, how do you replace a, a, you know, there's a, a top defenseman in the game at that point, top five or 10, I think most would agree. So you just don't overcome that. And then Tortorella really wasn't game for a rebuild, uh, which is a touch ironic because he's in one now in Philly. Felino leaves, Atkinson leaves. I mean, all these, all these guys that uh, they were traded, I should say. Atkinson was traded. Mm-hmm. Felino got a deal uh, with with Boston that Columbus could not or would not match. So all of the guys that sort of paved the way in that Toronto series within about two plus years were gone. And so Columbus started to commit to a rebuild. And then, as you all know, Johnny Gaudreau said, "Yeah, hi, um, what would you think about me coming there? Which totally blindsided them. And then the rebuild kind of became a, okay, we're here now, uh, which is not ideal. Yeah. Um, so they've got this roster now where they've got line A and, and Wierenski and Gaudreau and some really established good NHL players. And then you've got a bunch of guys that are just still figuring it out. I mean, so many guys. And it's just not there a lot of nights because, of course, it's not. They, they don't know what they're doing yet. But uh, the other thing that's weird right now is is their head coach, Pascal Vincent, who took over for Babcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's preaching the long game. We're going to practice hard. We're not going to worry about what game is next on the schedule. Uh, guys are going to get to this level. We're going to bring them up to this level. It's going to take us time to get there. Um, I'm not sure when we're going to get there, but that's what we're going to do. And the GM, if you ask him, says, no, we we think we can make the playoffs. Just get in. And it's like well, two completely different uh, you know, narratives coming from the coach and the GM. So yeah. But the owner, I'm not sure really where that goes. I think the, the coach has got a little more leash right now than the GM does, given the way things have gone. Um, but so there it is. Rarely good, never boring. So I think I, I, I think I'm the one that can ask this question because I'm calling from Calgary. And you know, yeah. the beneficiary of, of a guy wanting out of Calgary is in is in the starting lineup for Columbus tonight. But why why the departures? What what I mean, we can trace it back to here. The building's terrible. You yeah. know, the, the coach rubbed some people the wrong way. You know, yeah. it, it just it, it didn't feel I, I don't want to be in this fishbowl, that sort of thing. But yeah. why, you know, what was wrong with Panarin and Bobrovsky's situation? What was wrong that that allowed these or not allowed, but these guys excused themselves and left? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. And I think Columbus probably should feel a little better about this. <laughs> It's not one thing. It's not, I can't stand the city. Mm-hmm. Not, it's really, people always think it's Tortorella or it was Tortorella. It wasn't Tortorella in any of the cases. Um, it was different in every case. We, I wrote a story several years ago about, about Artemi Panarin and how he grew up and how he had basically nothing when he was a kid. And now he's at a point where he wants things. He wants the whole thing. He wants to to live in New York city and play in Madison square garden. That was his dream. Yeah. And Columbus is not going to, cannot compete on that ground. No. Can't. 
Sergei Bobrovsky wanted to be the highest paid goalie in the NHL, wanted a monster deal. Columbus did not want to commit that type of term and that type of money to Bobrovsky. He played very well for Florida at times last year, but it has been a choppy existence uh, there, and there's still a lot of term left on that deal, so see where that goes. Um, Atkinson was traded, was absolutely crushed to be traded, loves it here, still lives here. Felino mm-hmm. still lives here, hmm. uh, plans to retire here. Hmm. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois is still a bit of a mystery. Um, my colleague Marat in, in Winnipeg wrote a, a really interesting piece this week where uh, for the first time Dubois really talked about his departures from both Columbus and Winnipeg. Now, in a sense, he's had time to get his stories together. Um, so I'll, I'll believe it. I'll believe what he says. I still think there's something else there that nobody knows about right. with Pierre, but something snapped where it became, I have to get out of here now. Yeah. And you saw that last shift in Columbus, just completely unacceptable. Yep. Um, he played his way out of town. It had to be done immediately. Um, so they've all been a little different. Uh, Seth Jones, like I said, wanted to go to a huge market, uh, wanted the wanted the the lifestyle and the the marketing attachments that come with playing in a big market. He's gotten his wish. He may be the captain in Chicago before it's all done. Um, yeah, so it, it's been a bunch of different reasons, uh, not one you know blemish on this organization that causes people to depart. The city takes a, a ton of hits from people, mm-hmm. mostly from people who haven't been here. Correct. Um, it is not Manhattan. It does not have an ocean. We do not have, well, we do have mountains just about an hour southeast of Columbus. The Appalachians pick up, but it's not Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, it's a, it has a fantastic restaurant scene. If you are a young uh, person, there is a university up the street with about 50, 50, 60,000 undergrads. There's always a good time to be found on campus. Uh, there's stuff to do here. It is, it's a, it's a different city than most people believe. It's bigger than Cleveland and Cincinnati combined by a quarter of a million people. Like it is a monstrosity in the middle of the state, um, but it just doesn't have the reputation of those other two cities. Uh, long earned uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati are, are regarded as the two biggest cities in Columbus and, and they're not. Um, but it, it's been a bunch of different things that have caused people to depart. Uh to that end, uh, shout out to Top Hat, um, arguably the the best on the tour for a good lunch before a game. Oh, tip top, yeah, yeah. tip top. Sorry, tip top. Yeah, yeah. So that shows you how long I've since I've been there. Um, six months ago, five months ago, Mike Babcock gets installed. Mm-hmm. What what was the story around the Jackets at that point with Mike there? Where where were they going? What was he addressing? What what, what was what was the feel? the vibe as it were. Aaron. So they just uh, had two years with, with Brad Larson, who was not John Tortorella and a lot of stuff slid uh, performance slid. Um, I think leadership slid. I think there was a lot of uh, things that they saw that they just didn't like. One thing, that stood out to me was a comment early in the season by Eric Goodbranson. I think it might've been before Calgary was in town, actually fairly innocuous saying, 
we just haven't practiced well the last couple of days. We've got to get back to that. And someone took that on the coaching staff so personally that Good Branson was made to apologize uh, the next day as though he was questioning the coaching staff. I don't think anybody took it that way. I don't think anybody even thought about that until he was made to apologize, making something which was incredibly forgettable now uh, utterly unavoidable. Um, So, you know, they felt like they needed a stern, firm hand, uh, a no-nonsense, no-BS coach. They'd heard all the horror stories about John Tortorella before he got here. Players had, coaches had, all of them. And he departed here uh, at, <laughs> at some point in his tenure in Columbus having a beef with everybody. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, a absolutely um, – how to say it? They they hold him in in uh, great standing. Yeah, he is. Uh, the players loved him. Once they became used to the fact that everyone was getting it the same way, mm-hmm. and if everyone gets it the same way, it's not personal. Sometimes you got to go around the horn with that a couple times before you you pick up on it. But I mean, the players in 2020 made torts for presidents shirts uh which would not have been a bad uh candidate given our choices here exactly yeah um but uh i mean you know a team doesn't do that if there's not some sort of relationship there right so a lot of that stuff was was just seen as as uh you know the youtube clips and rob you've seen seen torts and larry brooks interact on a normal day it's i was in the middle of one it's fine right yeah uh those are the highlights if you will or the lowlights we've all had them i've had moments with with uh, torts too um but they felt like so and then you go back even further they had a lot of success with ken hitchcock who when he was hired you hear doug mcclain (laughs) before he was hired say do you think i'd hire that guy you think i would turn my roster over to that guy and then a week later here's ken hitchcock and you go oh doug's not in charge here anymore um and hitch took him to the playoffs for the first time uh they really grew up under hitch um so much uh success really for a franchise that had never tasted it so that's their history hitchcock worked here tortorella worked here and Brad Larson did not work here for two years. So they went back to this firm hand. I think it's also Yarmo Kekalainen's tendency too. Uh, mm-hmm. The answer is work harder, work harder. You're not working hard enough. Um, so he wanted a coach to that end and he got him. Um, and it did not sit well with a lot of people inside Columbus, outside of Columbus. Um, an assistant coach in Columbus basically left uh, weeks later without a job lined up. Um, he didn't take it well. I think the players, you know, the players didn't want to say anything, uh, but they were like, what are we doing here? And then as they met with him, I think some players started to come around. He put on a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as you know, it, it blew up from there when those some of those meetings went way off the rails in a highly inappropriate way. Any any sense, Aaron? I mean, hindsight's obviously the great equalizer in 2020, but um, you know, I mean, I'm blown away that he didn't make it to 
to the games. I really, I am. Um, I know what happened. I get all that. But was there any sense of being around the team? I know it wasn't quite into the, you know, training camp mode where you're around them a lot, but any sense of any red flags? No, no, not until, you know, the the, uh, Paul Bissonette comments Mm -hmm. on spitting checklets, which I immediately, I saw them on Twitter early one morning and copied them to the Blue Jackets and said, what, what is this about? Like, this is way out of left field. And we're looking into it. And then later that day, they had they came out with their statement. There's so much about this that's just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I keep hearing from people is, you know, the young players have to toughen up. And I really don't think, I get it. I know where you're coming from. It is a different generation in a lot of ways. That is not applicable in this story. Uh, The way that he handled himself with young players was different than how he handled himself with veteran players. Right. Bullies know who they can bully. Yep. And that is, that is many steps too far. The other, the other thing is that he didn't even realize he was doing something wrong as a defense. That almost makes it worse because Mm -hmm. that tells you that there has been nothing learned from the stuff that he ran aground with in Toronto uh, before that in Detroit. Um, He hasn't learned. It has been too easy for him to put it on a soft generation, let some time pass, we'll get back into the game, that this is how you do things. And – yeah, they, they needed to take care of that when they did, or it could have been really, really ugly well into the season. I, I don't wish to re, uh, litigate it. You wrote the, to me, you wrote the best piece on it. And I encourage people to go get, if they don't have an athletic subscription, get it for that piece alone. I thought it was brilliant. And I told you that. Um, but two pieces that come out of it that I would love your perspective on. Yeah. One has to do with Paul Bissonette. Um, I'm fascinated by his role in this. And what I perceive his role to be, and I'd, I'd like, because you're closer to it, am I nuts? Am I insane? But has he become in many ways this generation's Don Cherry, or has mm-hmm. he become in many ways a, an advocate or a, a mouthpiece to get stuff done from the players who have traditionally never had that, right? In the sense that, yeah. you know, th- they do what they're told. But now yep. they have somebody who has a platform of, and the largest in the sport. Let's be honest. Yeah. Did, yeah. Does he become kind of a kingmaker in all of this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think that is his end game here. And honestly, I yeah. think I think when he and I don't know, Paul, other than to have said hello a few times. And we've always been fine. Um, so none of this is a criticism of him. But I think when he put that out there, it was more just conversational with him and his guys, like, I don't think they had any sense that this was going to go kaboom. Um, but, you know, it it, op- it sheds some light on some things. Players feel comfortable talking to former players. And I don't think a Blue Jacket called Paul Bissonette up and said, get a load of this. I think players talk. Yeah. And the juicy stuff moves along yep. uh, to, to, to other players. And I think that's what happened here. Um but it's troubling when, you know, so the, the Blue Jackets initial play on this was to say, everything's fine. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. Everything's good. 
and then there was a bit of a pushback there from like, oh, no, 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 no. Not just from the Blue Jackets room, but from former players. Um, I think and maybe this opens up new avenues for Paul Bissonnette that he hasn't considered, but I don't get the sense that he wants to be that guy. I think he okay. he knows a lot of stuff, obviously, that's going on in the league, and, and uh, he's very well informed. I more see him as, for a U.S. reference, kind of the Charles Barkley. I think yeah, he's going sure. for that. Yeah, where that, that like, makes sense. You know, the stuff that he says and gets away with, if somebody else said it, they just might not get away with it. Um, but he but kept it going, was, didn't he? Like he, because he doubled down, like when the, oh no, oh, that yeah. never happened. Yeah. He doubled down on yeah. it. To, to his credit. And, and I have to say, we were very careful in the early going uh, to say, hey, listen, none of this report here. Uh, this is uh, the Blue Jackets, some players initially saying this, this is what is up. Mm. But we're not saying that Paul Bistonette was incorrect in his, in what he passed along right. and he is standing by it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we made that abundantly clear. Cause it, it, it wasn't like uh, biz is wrong. The blue jackets say this, it was, here's what both sides are saying. Cause it was such a, a strange story. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's not unlike a Pat McAfee in the States either, where it's like, he doesn't, he does not uh, view himself as a journalist either. Right. Right. Um, and that gives him some, let's be honest, some freedom to just poo, throw yep. some stuff out there. Let's talk sure. about it. Sure. Um, whereas, you know, if, if I, you know, some of the stuff that, that you can talk about in spit and chiclets, you wouldn't be able to just throw out there on the athletic people would say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> where, where is this coming from? Right. Uh, do you have a second source? Yeah. Yada. And, and that, that's, again, that's not saying he did anything wrong. It's just a different format and a different approach to things. But I, I, I won't be surprised if he has more stories like this, because uh, if you're a blue jackets player, if you're an NHL player, you see now the power in getting your word out. Whereas I think for so many years, players uh, tended to just swallow stuff and, and they do trust, former players as much of a relationship as you try to build with them as, as possible. I think they're always going to lean towards the guys who have the same experiences that they've had. Do you have, just as an aside on this, that you brought me here now, do you have an observation about kind of the fall that we've had in hockey? And I don't know, don't anticipate you paid very close attention to the Western hockey league, but Kevin Constantine. Yeah. You know, he came in second chance, you know, a lot has been made about Bill Peters and Lethbridge now. So far, so good. But um, what's your observation about second chances in hockey and coaches this this fall? Because it really seems it really seems to be somewhat of a story, isn't it? Yeah, there. And one of the things that's been asked a million times since this uh, all came to pass with Babcock is he he's done. Right. And I <laughs> why well, I, I think but like all it takes is one. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. it just takes one. Um, is Bill Peters the only guy that Lethbridge could turn to? Like, that was it? We got to go here, even though the baggage is there? It's just, it's, it's that clear a choice? That's hard for me to believe. But a lot of the uh, GMs and owners, they go to the people they know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen has known Mike Babcock forever. John Davidson has known him forever. Um, I think it's pretty clear 
the phrase due diligence has been completely bastardized. Yep. Um, it was not diligent. Um, it was due, but it wasn't diligent. Um, they basically talked to people that like Mike Babcock. I mean, I, I don't, no offense to Mike Commodore. I still stay in touch with him. I still like him. I would not call, I would not go to him. No, it's no. just too, yeah, that's, too that, extreme. We know, we know where you stand. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would have talked to, to agents or people uh, related to players who have had issues with them in the past. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you when they hired him, it was, well, the Marner thing wasn't really passed along accurately. Uh, the Franzen thing, you've got to consider the, mm -hmm. the player there first. Yes, Chelio spouted out against Babcock, but he also got benched by Babcock. So he was mad at Babcock for this. Right. The Madonna thing, the scratch happened way before the end of the season. He could never have known that it was 1,500 games or whatever the number was. Like there were reasons for all of it. Yep. Um, yep. And, uh, but again, I come back to this. The, the Marner stuff is not old school, new school. It's stupid. It's bullying. It's, it's, it's bullying and it's completely uh, anti-team building. Yes. Like that is just it's a power play. Right? God, it's incredible that you would do that. And it's not it's not a modern player problem. It's just an idiotic thing to do. Two names that you brought up. This was the second point out of Babcock. Um, and I don't they're both different for me. So I'll start with Yarmo. Why is Kekalainen still in charge? So Yarmo is the first GM here to have a buffer between him and the owner. Okay. And that buffer is about as strong as it gets in hockey, uh, certainly in Columbus, John Davidson. Mm -hmm. John Davidson has the, the presence and the voice of Moses. If yep. he says this, it is true. And that's where ownership is uh, with John Davidson. As long as John Davidson believes in Yarmo Kekalainen, he's going to be the GM here. Um, now, they, they both took some hits with the Babcock thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the state, they, this is an ownership. It's funny because, you know, nobody wants a Jerry Jones owner. Um, but the owner here is kind of the, the complete opposite of that, where it's like, here's the money, here's the building. Uh, let me know if you need anything. Here are the guys that are in charge of hockey. And that to me is almost ideal. Yeah. Stay out of it. Yeah. Let the hockey people make hockey decisions. When ownership steps in here and involves themselves, you know it's they take it as a very serious thing. Mm -hmm. They don't like to do this. They don't like to see their names in print. Um, only when it comes to Worthington's industry's stock price going up sure they'll have to see their name sure um they love the blue jackets they are committed as a family not suggesting otherwise but they let the hockey people do the hockey stuff and that statement issued um on media day ironically was uh was a shot across the bow we're watching mm -hmm. and you've told us that this team is going to be competitive this year so here you go you're still in charge we're not making a move with you um, but everything you have promised us is still possible with Pascal Vincent go forth into the season, which many take to mean that 
uh, John Davidson and or Yarmo Kekalainen are on watch. Um, and I think that's reasonable. It's been 10 years. He's the second or third longest tenured GM. Mm-hmm. Second, I believe. Um, replaced Scott Housen. That's how long ago that was. The first uh, European-born GM in the NHL. And, yeah, it, it's been a, an interesting run in Columbus. Yeah, it's... I feel bad because it's like, Yarmo, why is he there? How dare he? And then when it comes to John Davidson's, oh, John, why do you have to be in? Please don't be involved in this, right? Like, right. who says a crossword about John Davidson, right? Oh, my God. who are you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, let's fast forward to the team. I know it's just a couple games in, uh, but Pascal Vincent is the coach. Uh, some interesting pieces on this team right now. Um Tell me about Patrick Laine and this experiment at center. Uh, why and, and is it is it going well? Is it continuing? What's the, the thought process there? Yeah, well, the thought process from uh, the idea came from Taze Thompson. Ah, okay. He's big. He was a winger. Now he's a center. Whoa. Um, that was that was the genesis with Laine. It started at the end of last season when, when the Blue Jackets were in Connor Bedard mode, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of thought it was just, uh, you know, something to entertain us as as we uh, play out the string here. Um, but then, and and it should be noted that if Mike Babcock were the coach, Patrick Laine was a winger this year. Um, Pascal Vincent takes over. Laine starts training camp on the wing. They have a meeting in which uh, Line A makes it clear to him that, no, no, I'm really ser- <laughs> I'm serious about playing center. And the Blue Jackets have uh, some question marks at center, no other way to say it, but they have more options now than they've ever had. So they really didn't need Line A uh, to play center as they haven't, as they've needed other centers in previous years. Um, but he has known Pascal Vincent all the way back to his Winnipeg Jets days. It's a good relationship. And uh, Pascal Vincent said, okay, here's what I need from you. You, you got to give me this in practice. You got to give me this in games. As long as I see that, we'll try it. So they tried it in the preseason. He led him in scoring in the preseason. It looked pretty good. Preseason is not a great judge sometimes. We seem to learn that every year. It's been a choppy start, uh, not just for Patrick Line, uh, for the whole team. You could have almost seen that this was going to be a choppy start with a new coach four days before camp, a new system, two new defensemen who are top four guys, Provorov and Severson. Um, so many line A moving to center is a fairly radical change. Texier comes back from Europe. Fantilli comes in as an 18-year-old. So there's new faces everywhere. Um, Roslovic moves to the wing. Sillinger moves to the wing. So you've got new people in. You've got old old faces in new places. Um, you hire an assistant coach a week into training camp, Mark Recchi, to replace Vincent. Um, so it's just been a, there's so many moving parts right now that right. you could almost tell that the first that the start of this season, and it may just be because the young guys aren't there yet, but you could just see that the early part of the season was going to be really choppy. Um, just disjointed play, you know, uh, ups and downs with, you know, scratches and, you know, movement with between the lines and the pairs. And that's all come to pass. 
Uh, I have no idea what to expect tonight. Line A just sort of self-immolated three times yesterday talking to the media. I've been awful. I can't shoot. I can't hit the net to save my life. I can't win a face-off. Uh, so badly that Pascal, <laughs> Pascal Vincent said, Whoa, I got to talk to this guy. Yeah. Um, we got to build him back up here. So I'm not sure how long they keep lining in the middle. Um, I, you know, I can see it either way. I hate to me, this is a strange time uh, to be figuring this kind of stuff out. Like these games should still matter until they mm-hmm. don't. Um, but he's he's not the only guy that has struggled. That would be way way off the mark. Sure. Um, you mentioned Connor Bedard. Everybody was you know eyes all on the generational player, and he's in Chicago. But Adam Fantilli doesn't strike me as you know much you know not that bad of a a oh, consolation prize. Absolutely. Um, how's he looked? How's he fitting in? Well, he's looked incredible for a kid that turned nineteen on opening night. I mean, he's one of those guys. Rob, you and I have talked about this. These guys that just know how to handle every situation, mm-hmm. even when it's the first time they've been in it. They know uh, how to act around veteran players. They know, you know, it just they don't have to screw up multiple times before they figure it out. And I marvel at those guys. He's one of those guys. He's he's got um, incredible poise and presence. He says all the right things to us. But he's not completely uh, shielded and, and off limits. He's he's fairly um, conversational. Um, I think he even said it before the draft. <laughs> Nobody believed him. So he went back and played the video. He told a Michigan staffer that he wanted to come to Columbus. He thought Columbus would be the best spot for him. Words rarely heard from sure. top. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 18-year-old, so that was nice to hear. Uh, His parents are absolutely over the moon. Uh, They drive down. They've been down uh, for a couple games already. I'm not sure if they're in tonight or not. They're used to driving to Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's of course a well-worn path from Ann Arbor to Columbus, Ohio through the years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, 
So an easy trip there. Uh, yeah, it seems to be really uh, off to a good start. He hasn't scored. It's coming. It may come against the Flames tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he is a big kid. Not huge, but he's he's a solid size for a 19-year-old. Moves extremely well. Great shot. He's going to be a very good player for a long time. Uh, speaking of the Flames tonight, we will see Zach Warinsky back into the lineup. Um, tell me about him. Like I, When he landed and came into the league, it's like, wow, this kid is going to be really special. Yeah. And, and I think he, he's a very good defenseman. I don't want to say that, but is he, what's the arc on him? What, what's the career been to this point? But to me, he's a, a, a number one. He is a 10 to 12 goal guy, 40, 50 point guy, if, mm-hmm. if, it, if it works. So much of that for defensemen is the power play. Mm-hmm. And the, the power play here in Columbus has been, uh, I think it's a class D felony that the, the power play that they've put out the last four or five years is brutal. Um, he is a, a leader in the room. This is sort of a inside baseball story, but Rob, you'll like this. This is how Zach Wierenski's wired. I think he's 21. He is a restricted free agent. And he is, the season's over. He's back in Michigan. And before he leaves, we say, hey, how worried are you about the contract? And he says, you know what? No offense. I don't really want to even talk about the contract because I just don't want to air it out publicly. I'm convinced it's going to get done. I'm not worried about it, but I don't want to create something that's not there. Mm-hmm. Full respect. He goes back home, starts his off-season training, and a national reporter is there at the rink in Plymouth and pulls him aside and asks him a question. And he talks about, you know, I think it'll get done, blah, 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 blah. And he realizes he's talking to a reporter about the same thing he just told the people back home. That kid goes to his car, calls the Blue Jackets PRs and says, can you call the local people and tell them I'll talk about the about the contract? Because I... I feel bad having talked to a national guy oh, when I should have. Awesome. And it's like, wow. Like yeah. <clears throat> you don't no. you don't see that much. No. A guy, I think people used to think that way back in the day. It's been years since that sort of approach. Um, he is, he is a dazzling offensive player. I don't know if he is viewed as a, as an all round defensive player enough to be a, a um, Norris trophy guy. If he puts it together in a season, sometimes you got you have to be the best defenseman for three or four years before that comes around, anyways. Yep. Um, but I think most people view him as an all-star type defenseman, uh, an upper echelon for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Johnny Gaudreau. It's a year after. Um, yeah. it, it remains somewhat of a sore spot here. Uh, sure. You know, for a myriad of reasons, but I, I think the biggest is that, you know, this organization has never had the luxury of picking first, never had generational players like Big David and and yeah. so on. And, you know, he was that right. Fourth, yeah. you know, fourth round pick. W- what's transition been like to uh, to Columbus and what do you see covering him that maybe you didn't see just seeing him a couple times a year? Yeah, I, th- I think he's. He's happy here. And I'll say this too. I'm not sure it makes anybody feel better in Calgary, but if anybody knows what you're feeling regarding Gaudreau, it's the, it's Columbus. Sure. Absolutely. Right. I mean, yeah, and other yeah. markets have this too. Yeah. Um, it's hard to not take it personally. Yeah. Um, 
and and other people take great glee in you taking it personally or telling you you should anyways. Uh, Johnny's been good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I knew that he was a dazzling player. He has been that. Um, I think, you know, he doesn't have a Lindholm here. They don't have the great power play here, so it hasn't really exploded offensively for him, but he was solid last year. Mm-hmm. I think he's in a situation in Columbus where he's had to do uh, a lot of the work himself to create, um, whereas you know he had options around him in Calgary. That line was incredible. Yep. The, the other little dirty little secret that I'm writing for Sunday is that he and Line A, they, they don't – thrive together mm-hmm. um you would think johnny playmaker patrick big shot would work um but it's the it's the science of lines that they just don't work sometimes yep um and I, certainly not signing off on that never working uh because they've got a long way to go here together and it could come around it i mean what if you moved line a to the wing and put somebody in between them uh, maybe it awakens, but it just hasn't, it, they have not elevated each other. So there's, it's almost like they're two independent contractors. Believe it or not, they're on separate power play units tonight. Hmm. Um, which one's the one or which one's the two? There is no one and there is no two. Oh, okay. Who goes out first? Well, it depends on the, on who was out last. Um, but that's not, that's something we haven't seen before, but both of them are most comfortable on the left dot. Um, that's where Liney's one-timer is. That's where Gaudreau likes to make his plays. So um, together they have not elevated each other. Individually they've been uh, streaky and good at times. Line A has not yet had that season where he's put it all together in Columbus, mostly because of injuries. Um, but it's just he's been at times a streaky player but hasn't been, you know, that 40-goal guy that that Winnipeg saw early. I I know Boone Jenner is the captain of this team, but just curious of, of, you know, now in his second year, where does Goudreau fit in the, the hierarchy of the dressing room, you know, even in the, in the community where, where's, where's his role? Well, I think he's respected in the room. I don't think he, um, I don't think he cares to carry a heavy load of leadership Mm -mm. though. I, I don't get that sense. I think he's, um, He's an excellent player. He takes care of himself. I think he's available for other players, but I don't think he's – I don't get the sense he's a Corrali or a Wierenski or a Jenner that that take uh, other guys under their wings necessarily. No. Nope. Um, he is one of the more popular players for sure, uh, Johnny Hockey. And, uh, you know, he's out and about in the community. He's got a, a young family, so it's not – uh, it always changes when that occurs, but he's he's held in very high regard by the fan base for sure. Uh, last one for you, um, goaltending. Uh, I know that Spencer Martin was claimed on on waivers, and um, you know said goodbye to Corpusalo, I believe, last year. Um, it's tragedy, you know, not that long ago. But w- where is this organization when it comes to puck stoppers? Well, they're committed to Elvis. Elvis Merzlikens, one of the characters of the game. Um, but Elvis, Elvis had an awful season last year in all ways. 876 save percentage, 876. 
um, injured out of the lineup four or five times. Hmm. Um, and so with him just getting started on a long-term contract, the Blue Jackets took the painful step of trading the best goalie in the organization, Corpus Allo, um, who's a hell of a goalie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did what they what they've needed to do around around Elvis. They changed his goaltending coach, which was uh, um, an abrupt change for him because he was very close to Manny Legacy, the previous coach. Nick Backstrom, the former Wild goalie, is um, is wired completely different than yeah. than uh, Manny Legacy. He's a very serious, studious type. I think Elvis needs that. Um, they brought in two new defensemen. They've, uh, you know, bolstered the center ice position. So, you know, they've tried to create a different game in front of Elvis, but he's got to do a lot of the heavy lifting himself. Having said that, he's been pretty good in the early going. He left his second game, the win over the Rangers, after two periods uh, with illness, missed the next game. Uh, he's back tonight. Um, he's played so far so good in this regular season. Um, but he is, there's no question, he is a huge question mark for this team. Since he got here, he started played very well when he first got here. And his numbers, just look at Hockey DB, his numbers, the save percentage has gone steadily down since then. As you hinted at, there's so much more here than just hockey. Him losing yeah. his close friend. Matisse Kivleniak's and witnessing it. Um, I'm not sure how you get over that, if you get over that. Um, and this is really unsettling, but he mentioned uh, the following year that the cannon that goes off in Nationwide Arena uh, was a stress point for him after the Kivleniak's tragedy. My, my God. Yeah. Um, it's that front of mind. Right. So... Yeah, he's uh, there's an there's an enormous amount of sympathy for Elvis Merzlikens here. He is a likable guy. He is a character of the game. Um, he wants to be the guy, um, but I, you know, he's 29 years old too. This is not a young man anymore. Wow, this is very important yeah. year for Elvis. Yeah. Um, listen, you know how much I hold you in esteem and, and you've always been a favorite of mine. And, uh, the, the nice thing about Aaron Portsline is Aaron Portsline is never the story. He tells great stories, but he's never the story. Um, can I just ask upon you, just ask how you're doing? I know you, you shared publicly a disclosure here at the beginning of the month. Um, and, and I think just by having the conversation, we might be able to do some good up here. Um, but you currently have stage five kidney failure. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I was, I did dialysis this morning, okay. uh, I do it three days a week, four hours. I do it at, uh, this is how you know your hockey life I do it at 5. AM so that I'm out of the chair at nine. So I can be at the rink. Wow. That's dedication. Um, now I bailed on the rink today. I'll admit yeah. and I have some days cause it's not a pleasant experience. Um, but honestly, the, the thing you're kind enough to show on your screen here today, uh, of course it is about me, but the push here mm -hmm. uh, was to get people to become donors. Right. Uh, it's a source of much frustration in that world where there aren't too many things we can agree on these days, but most people seem to think they would be willing to give their organs in the event of their death if it meant 
uh, a better life or life itself for several other people. Uh, and yet many people who feel that way have not indicated in any legal way that that's what they wish to do. So the push is on to get people to, to, I don't, I apologize. I don't have a, a Canadian address there. I'm sure you could find it Yeah, for people to sign up. I've heard in some countries you are born a donor and you have to opt out of it. What a wonderful world that would be. Um, but it's not like that in the States. I'm waiting on uh, several people who incredibly have been kind enough to volunteer uh, to donate a kidney to me. But there, there are 90,000 people uh, who need a kidney. There's over 100,000 people who are waiting on an organ transplant. So it is, it's something we can do. It's not a pleasant conversation. It's, it's kind of like doing your will. I'll grant you it's not always a pleasant thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, but it's a fairly painless step. And you don't need an attorney. So it's better than doing your will. Uh, you can do it fairly quickly and you can make a, a really big difference. I think of Chris Snow, my, right. my friend, uh, certainly a friend of yours and yep. touched many people in Calgary and beyond. Um, so sad to see how that came to pass. And yet what a beautiful thing that on the other side of that, several people could benefit from, from the beauty that was Chris Snow. Um, so that's the kind of stuff we're looking at, at, uh, promoting and uh thank you for the well wishes the hockey world's been incredible with that um we'll get there i, I know that we'll get there but it, it's uh something we can all do love you brother uh i miss running oh, you great. Thank you. and uh you are the best so i uh, will yeah. stay in touch um but we do want to encourage everybody to take that opportunity to become a donor and, and save a life and i'm i'm pulling for you and again find thank you at the athletic be well. Enjoy the game tonight. I'm, I know we'll talk soon. I know you'll be on some station in Canada here in the next hour anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, so. Rob, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. See you. Peace. There you go. The great Aaron Portsline from The Athletic. Um, if you are so inclined, we can always use more donors. And he is uh, using his situation to uh, draw attention to the need for donors. I think of Logan Boulay and the Boulay effect. I, I um, This is, um, yeah. This, this is a guy I love. This is a guy I really, really love. Uh, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Clearance sale right now, 40% off. It starts at 40% off. Now, this is because the 17th Avenue location will be closing its doors. So normally we say, well, there's four when it's up and running. There will only be three. But right now, after 67 unforgettable years in the heart of the city, Ski Seller Snowboard's iconic 17th Avenue location will be closing its doors, but not without a blowout sale. So get ready. It's underway today. It runs all the way till October 31st. Biggest savings of the season. Spectacular discounts on all items storewide. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting your skiing journey, this is your stance, uh, chance to stock up on top quality gear, clothing, and accessories at unbeatable prices. Um, just incredible. Uh, note. Um, Oh, by the way, all skis, boots, bindings, and snowboards have been moved to the McLeod Trail and Boness locations. So all three places, McLeod, Boness, will continue to provide you the great quality service and that you've come to expect from Ski Seller Snowboard. But we are saying goodbye after 67 years to the location on 17th Avenue. So between now and Tuesday, October 31st, take advantage of the sale. Ski Seller Snowboard. Ski Seller Snowboard.com.
thanks, Darren Portsline, for joining us. Always love catching up with Ports. He, um, he's just he, what you see is what you get. That's the guy. It, there's no errors. Uh, you pull into Columbus, and he doesn't go sit somewhere else. He comes and sits with you. He comes to Calgary. He doesn't go sit somewhere else. He comes and sits with you. And he, he will be like, literally, he's probably doing all the Calgary shows today and um, through the whole bite Babcock thing. I mean, we were, I think at one point, Jack was putting up his, his, uh, his schedule. He was posting his schedule. He's doing nine, 10 radio television hits a day, just talking about it because he's the authority in, in Columbus. So um, always, I, I remember I did a little project um when i was with the flames um we were starting off podcasts and stuff like that and tori peterson and i used to do a podcast but i sat down and i talked to aaron about the history of hockey in ohio um at that time starting to see some players drafted starting to see you know you know lots of talent coming out of of that area and and it was great to go and learn about you know, the people who built hockey in Ohio and who built hockey in Columbus. And uh, he was just incredible in, in sharing those stories. So got lots of time and, and lots of appreciation for Aaron Portsline. Just a great guy. Uh, all right. Uh, Calgary in Columbus tonight, coming off a 5-4 win in, or pardon me, a 4-3 win in Buffalo last night. Should have been a 5-3 win. I mean, that freaking no goal. Come on. Mackenzie Wiegers. Uh, I was saying to Jack, I, I I had the luxury and the opportunity to sit in the war room uh, 10 years ago and uh, watch them with all the screens and all the technology and everything. And so here you go. I mean, Mackenzie Weger just fires it up the middle. Oop, there it is. Come on. Like we all know. And you can see the official like, come on. I mean, where's common sense in all of this? I know. I know. Um, if you watch the the replay, the official waits, 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 and calls it a no goal. So again, this is this is the important part here. Watch the official, watch the referee. Now he calls it no goal. Now it's incumbent upon the video evidence to absolutely refute the fact that that was a goal uh, or not a goal. So I don't know. Uh, to me, I mean, the Flames won, so I feel like you can complain about this. I think if they lose, it just looks like poor sportsmanship. Um, I, I fall down on the side of human error. I've always found fall, fallen down on the side of human error. I don't like video replay. I don't like it in sports. I don't think we should have it. I, I you know, um, I, I listen, I have been there. You know, I was there in 2004. I, I was right behind in the Zamboni entrance. If the Flames had won, I would have been out on the ice doing interviews for 960. So I was, you know, stationed right behind Habby Boulin. And, and you know, it, I saw Darren Pang, who was working with ABC TV, was sitting at a table with a monitor underneath the stands. And he said that puck was in. Um, I've, I've lived through all of that. Even then, that does not convince me that we need video replay. The NHL put out a statement that night and said, oh, we reviewed it and it was not a goal. They didn't. That was it. That was them covering their asses is what that was. Um, but I, I watched that last night and I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. Now, you know, again, if you call that a goal on the ice, then you've got to have, you know, irrefutable evidence that it wasn't in. There was no irrefutable evidence that that wasn't in. Uh, but if you call that no goal, well, do we really? Yeah, you do. You do. But 
That's an old man yelling at the clouds, as the song says. So there we are. Uh, Vladar shaky in the, in the first period. He admitted to that. Um, Kelly Rudy call, uh, called it on the broadcast, on the, on the television broadcast. I think everybody saw it. That power play goal, he fell down in an awkward position. Um, he just wasn't he, – he was on his heels. He wasn't on his toes. Uh, I thought he was fine the rest of the way. And, and it's his first game, and he hadn't played since the preseason. There's a million excuses. Uh, they were able to shake that on off and overcome that. I thought Huberto was really noticeable last night. Uh, got the early goal. Uh, was out there late blocking shots and stuff like that. But Huberto noticeable against Buffalo versus Huberto noticeable against Pittsburgh. That, that there's a difference there. And I hope you know he the points. He's got a point a game, and and his line is you know is there. I, I need more of that and need it in bigger games. But, you know, they win on the backs. You know, I thought they won on the back of their fourth line and their and all their lines, really, because they all contributed. Um, boy, Buffalo is a big team. They got some big players. But, boy, they don't play big, do they? Like, they didn't muscle the flames. And, you know, Calgary, I'd like to see Calgary. I keep using the word playing with a little more snot. Um you know, a little, a little harder to play, a little greasier to play. Didn't see that. Um, but I didn't think Buffalo used their size. Um, again, big players. Now, well, maybe I'm wrong on that, but that, that's, you know, one of the observations. Uh, Owen Power played 26 minutes. Rasmus Dahlin played 23-17. These guys are there for almost the next decade. That is a luxury of riches. Uh, that is as good a couple of young defensemen as any team's going to have. I mean, it, 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 it takes me back to um, Nashville when they had Weber and Suter and, and all those good young defensemen that that's what this reminds me of. Um, I can't. And I, and one begets the other though, like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm reinventing history here for the sake of making an argument, but one can't help but wonder is it, what if they had Jack Eichel? you know, didn't have to get rid of Jack Eichel. Now, who knows if all of these things fall into place. They probably don't. But anyway, they've got these two good young defensemen. They've got some talent, like Tage Thompson's a revelation. You know, I think Pey Peyton Krebs is going to score in this league. You know, I, again, they have talent, but you just wonder about that top-end centerman. Uh, you know, and, and Devin Levi, I know there's a lot on his shoulders as a young goalie. I thought at times he looked overwhelmed last night, um, but that's going to come. I mean, they, they've, they're investing in him. They're going to play him. Um, I always, I always go back to a, kind of the most recent incarnation, but I'm sure there's other ones, but you know, friggin' Ben Bishop, Jerome McGinley scored his 1000 point against Ben Bishop in goal for St. Louis. Peter Labardi is one of the great calls of all time. Um, and, and Bishop was overwhelmed that year, but he was thrown to the Wolves and got some time, ends up in Ottawa, ends up in Tampa Bay and becomes, you know, a pretty incredible goalie. Um, I, I Not to say that Levi has to go to different stops. I'm not saying that. I just, you know, same thing with Dustin Wolf when he finally gets his chance. I do not expect Dustin Wolf to come in and spin around on his head, pitching shutouts all the time. Um, you know, Mika Kiprasov, we have a really um, – kind of interesting relationship. It's almost like Calgary found him and he never played before. He had, he played and he was part of three man system in, in San Jose. He played. As a matter of fact, I believe 
I believe Mika Kepersov was the first Finnish goalie ever to win a game in the playoffs. He did that for San Jose. So it's going to take some time. Um, you know, Buffalo wasn't that far out of the playoffs last year. Uh, but I, I, I don't get the sense that beating the Buffalo Sabres right now at this time is something that you would put on your mantle or your trophy case. Um, and certainly Columbus won't be. But if you're Calgary, you got to win these games. These are, again, look at what happened at the end of last season, the, the points that have been given away earlier in the year and how they came back and haunted you. Um, one last one on last night's game, and that is really it's, it's not last night's game as much as it is um, the uh, uh, start to this season. And Adam Ruzicka, uh got the game-winning goal. Uh, four games in, two goals, two assists, four points. It's interesting, and we'll take questions later on. You can drop them in the chat, and Jack will get them to to us. But I remember uh, right at the beginning of training camp, Jack had a somebody dropped a question there. What are they doing with Ruzicka? Why is he, you know, playing up the lineup and Coronado's playing down the lineup? And and again, they know what he is. Here's your opportunity. Go prove it. Um, I, I like Adam Rzichka. I When he's on as a player, um, he's on. But, man, he was off last year. Now, you can blame Daryl for that. You can blame usage for that. You can blame, you can blame, you can blame. But at some point, the player's got to take some responsibility. And if you remember in his draft year as a fourth-round pick, the, the description of Adam Rzichka was, boy, there's a lot to like about this kid, but he doesn't bring it every night. And I think he's had to fight that um, perception since then till now. Um, I watched him in the American Hockey League and his numbers were gaudy. And I thought Matt Phillips did a lot for him. And, and listen, you know, we just talked to Adam Portsline about, you know, Gaudreau and Line can't seemingly get it to work. Ruzichka and Phillips worked really well. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship, but Phillips had a large role to play in that. So happy Happy, happy, happy for um, for Adam Ruzicka to the start. I think the Flames needed that start. Um, like the fourth line last night, he's not on the fourth line, but he used to be on the fourth line. So cool. Okay, repeat rinse up against Columbus. Markstrom will likely get the net back. Um, you know, you, you need to start stringing wins again. Remember, this team had a hard time stringing wins together last year. You remember that? They need to string some wins together. Now, right now, they got points in two consecutive games. Now, it's got to be points in three consecutive games, two consecutive wins. That's that's where they need to be helped. Uh, a couple of other things. I am very curious to see how this plays out. Uh, announcement today from Northland, which is a longtime old stick maker, and the Wayne Gretzky Foundation, that they have partnered on a, um, a project. Uh, Northland Hockey Sticks was, I know everybody always remembers Gretzky and the Titans, but when he started, it was with Northland. Today, they announced that uh, the Wayne Gretzky Foundation and um, the company that owns Northland are going to put out a, an inexpensive hockey stick. Essentially, you get three sticks for 99 bucks, um, is how I read it. Um, I, I applaud this. I can't wait to see how this works out. Um, you know, I, I have a dear friend who's a rep for the major company and I, I have I take nothing away from them. I know people in the business and stuff like that. But I got to be honest with you, kids. Me, who played five times this year, six times, coaches a little bit. So I need a stick. And when I broke mine and I no longer have that ability to go down and ask if there's extras, I have to go purchase my own. I know. I know. Crime against America. 
I guess we're in Canada. But anyway, I walk into a store and I, I look, start looking at my height and I can't get a stick for less than three ninety nine, and I'm going to play four or five times. Like my worry isn't me. My worry is the parent who feels like I'm not putting my kid in hockey because I can't afford it. So a reasonable, cheap option for kids who are playing house league or for kids who are starting hockey or for beer league players, I applaud. Absolutely applaud. We need more of it, not less of it. There will always be a market for high end. There just will be. We can't help ourselves. But I am excited to see that somebody's taking the cost of hockey seriously and not surprising. It's Wayne Gretzky. I uh, want to make mention of Kale McCarr. Uh, Kale McCarr has become the uh, new leader uh, for fewest games to reach 250 career points amongst defensemen. Career leader. He did it in 241 games. I don't get excited about Ovechkin chasing Gretzky or Marlowe, you know, surpassing Gordy Howe. I, 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 you know, those ones to me, different eras and all that. But this I get excited about. This I am impressed about. This blows my mind. A, because I really like the kid. Met him a couple of times. Fantastic individual. Fantastic human being. From here, by the way. But look at those faces. Look at those guys. One thing they all have in common, Hall of Famers. Dennis Potvin does not get enough respect, does not get anywhere near enough respect for what he did to the game and how good a defenseman he was. Bobby Orr was Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux before. I mean, Gordy Howe was really impressive, but Bobby Orr um, just... He he reinvented the he, he I had the luxury of seeing him right at the tail end of his career as a kid. I remember, I still remember Boston and then Chicago. So I can't take anything from I saw in Chicago because that wasn't the same. But you go back and you watch the videos of Bobby Orr and Kale McCarr in this incarnation with this goaltending, with the rules, all of these things has done this in, in six fewer games. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, today, we salute uh, one, of Canada, one of Canada's greatest. One of Canada's greatest. And, and that's it. I'm not going to put sport, gender, anything next to it. One of Canada's greatest. Uh, Christine Sinclair um, announced on social media, wrote a letter to herself. She's going to play two friendlies, Vancouver and Victoria. And this will be it at the end of this year. Um, her career is one that needs to be celebrated up there with, we were just talking about Wayne Gretzky, um, with Terry Fox in terms of the impact she has had in a different way. Um, I, my measuring stick has always been that Terry Fox is our greatest athlete. Um, and I know that we've had, you know, once you say greatest and, and who and all of that stuff, um, you're going to end up with a lot of debates. You will not end up with a debate in this category. Uh, Christine Sinclair is one of our greatest athletes. Stop. That's it. Don't have to put anything else beside it. Um, she holds one of the most impressive records in all of football. 190 goals scored for her country. That's the most in international play for man or woman. It does not matter. 
190 goals. Um, her 327 appearances for her country, second all-time in FIFA history. Um, four-time Olympian. She won gold, two bronze. Um, I'll never forget the gold because I had been asked to come in and, and work with Boomer in the morning on, on 960. And that game was wrapping up. It went to the penalty kicks and um, the really specific language about what you can say and what you can't say about uh, ongoing play-by-play of, of events that are on other networks. So it was on CBC and we were watching it. And Boomer did an amazing job of living and dying with every shot. And I tried my best to make sure that we were not being viewed as doing play-by-play of that event. Um, but I remember exactly where I was when Canada won gold. I remember Christine Sinclair bursting onto the scene in, 20, in 2002 in Edmonton at a FIFA event. I think she was 15 years old and she was just lights out. Uh, just an absolutely incredible um, since there. Um, just, I don't know what else to, to say about her that hasn't been said. I I defer to my good friend, Sandra Persina, who, who put out some tweets today that I think are probably most appropriate. Um, but the recognition that she gets, she's earned. Um, I chose not to use the soccer Canada. Thank you. I think that one's a little bit bittersweet. I think that towards the end of the career, the, the hard ass games that, that the team had to play with the, the federation where it's nothing short of embarrassing and Christine Sinclair deserved more than that. Uh, not only did she raise the sport for her gender, she wrote, raised the sport in our country for all. There's no Afonso Davies without Christine Sinclair, but Rob, you can't say that. Ah, but I can because the women's program got international status. The women's program got international profile. It allowed Soccer Canada to do things. It allowed Soccer Canada to get John Herdman. And Christine Sinclair played a role in that. Absolutely. In attracting good coaches. So she's had a large role to play with the growth in our sport. I was just talking to somebody in soccer today. When I was a kid, nobody cared about Canadian soccer. We only carried about our heritage in our home countries where we came from. If the Italians were doing well, if the Scottish were doing well, if the Croatians were doing well, whatever, the English, um, you know, now people give a damn about wearing the maple leaf and, and supporting soccer Canada. And I just refuse to use their picture because I, they owe her an this game owes her so much, but they owe her an apology for putting her through the crap that she's had to go through with her teammates in the last couple of months. So that's where I sit on that. Um, face should be on money. Um, just so in awe of what she's accomplished. I'm very curious to see what her neck, she owes nothing to anybody, but I have a sneaking suspicion. She's going to play a large role in growing the sport and continuing to grow. Not she's already done that to continue to grow the sport of soccer. So that will do it. Um, thanks to everybody. We have uh, Danny Austin and myself are back tonight, immediately following the game against the Columbus blue jackets for afterburner. So make sure you join us. We'll break that game down. Uh, we're back on Monday. I believe Ryan Pike is our guest on Monday. He'll uh, rejoining us again. We got a lot to talk about with Mr. Pike, a uh, busy weekend for the Calgary flames Columbus tonight. They finish off their road trip in Detroit on Sunday. The Stampeders are in action taking on BC tonight. Must win all of those sort of things. Uh, don't forget that the uh, cavalry, 
are in action tomorrow. Two o'clock, I believe, is the, the start time at Atco Field. They need to beat Pacific to go to Hamilton to play the Forge in the final. Um, you know, again, great regular season, but you need to you need to finish it off uh, with a playoff run. So they're looking to do that. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about Jack, our producer, who's worked under really trying conditions this past week and somehow has made us on get on the air and and do the best that you know the best that can ever be expected of me. Uh, so thanks to Jack, thanks to you, thanks to Aaron Portsline. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you tonight on Afterburner. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.